This is a broadcast of SmallCapVoice.com, a financial communications and investor relations firm. SmallCapVoice.com receives payment for investor relations and financial consulting services that it provides to its clients. You should assume that officers, directors, and employees of SmallCapVoice.com or financial analysts mentioned and their families hold a position and intend to trade in these securities for their own accounts. This is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be nor should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, an investment in a featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This broadcast does not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used and statements of fact have been obtained from the featured company and other sources but not verified nor guaranteed by smallcapvoice.com as to completeness or accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. You're wired in smallcapvoice.com. Following is a presentation of smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support. Now, with your online business briefing, smallcapvoice.com's Stuart T. Smith. Welcome back, everybody, to another online business briefing brought to you by smallcapvoice.com. As you just heard, I'm your host, Stuart Smith, and we once again will be shining the spotlight on a smart and fresh new play here in the microcap markets today. Now, it's not a new company, but it's new to our audience, and we're excited to be speaking with Surge Holdings Incorporated, traded under the ticker symbol SU. RG, the website, well, surgeholdings.com. And I do want to point out something else. On October 31st, 2019, Goldman Small Cap Research issued a research update on Surge Holdings Incorporated. Great report in there, but also at surgeholdings.com, when you visit the website, you're able to easily opt in and get flash news alerts from the company. So today we're speaking with the chairman and CEO of the company, Brian Cox. Brian, Welcome to the show, and thanks so much for taking time to call in. Hey, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Absolutely, Brian. Well, let's start with who you are. So for those who are not familiar with your company, let's get a little background on you, your company's business model, and where you are in your overall plans for Surge. Uh, a little background on me. I've been involved and operated companies in the underbanked market for the past 20 years. Now, for your listeners that may not be familiar with the underbanked market, that's the 35% of the U.S. population with credit challenges or folks not having access to traditional finance and banking. My goal going back, uh, like I said, 20 years ago was to always provide life-enhancing services at a value to this market. My specialty, what I first got into was telecommunications, prepaid telecom, and then moved on to fintech as I grew the business and saw those needs. Now, Getting into Surge, uh, it helps to give you a background of, of how this pulled together. Been, been good business, been, uh, been successful in the, the private sector. And a few years ago, I think it was about 2017, the day that Jeff Bezos first overcame Gates as the richest guy in the world, I was having a drink with uh, you know one of my good friends and, and now associates, and we were talking about the fact that this gentleman, Bezos, had become the richest man in the world facilitating product distribution through relationships and the fact that there's 35% of the people in the United States who are, are outside the realm of his product distribution. There are people that 
don't have credit cards. They're not going to have the ability to make purchases online and, and use his service in any way, shape, or form. So, like, man, that, that's, that's the last digital frontier. That's the business we know. That's what we've done a half a billion dollars in business the last 20 years. We know the way to reach these customers is not on their doorstep, but it's at the corner store, the convenience store, the tienda, the community market. That's the financial heartbeat of these underbanked communities where they buy toiletries, food, and their other needs and wants. So we decided to merge our software wireless companies into a public company. The plan was to raise the money we needed to implement our vision of building a nationwide sales channel that would disrupt the traditional C-store supply chain by providing local retailers direct access to regional manufacturers around the country. In other words, we will be bypassing the traditional big, huge warehouses and big trucks and what I would consider the antiquated, old-school way of delivering products, ultimately to these customers, but through these corner stores, we would do it in a way similar to how Alibaba connected companies in the United States directly with manufacturers in China. We would do that within the boundaries of the United States. So to do that, we had to build relationships with these corner stores. And I had, over the years, you know, we had built a rudimentary software platform that would enable store owners to use our interface to do top-ups and add credit to any prepaid wireless company out there. That would be your Boost, track phone, and those guys. Now, the way it would work, customer walks in, they say, hey, I need to put $20 on my track phone. I ran out of minutes. The store owner would choose track phone, enter the, the, the customer's number, put down $20, hit go, boom, adds it automatically using our software platform. Their customer walks out happy. Usually they grab a Coke and a bag of chips or something else while they're there. Meanwhile, they know to come back. So and I want to sidebar for a second and let people know, there's 100 million prepaid wireless customers in the United States right now, 100 million. And while a lot of us don't give two thoughts about it because we either have our, our payments automatically ACH'd or uh, hit against our credit card, that 100 million people, they're not banked. They're going and paying in person every single month. So if they run out of, they run out of minutes at 7 o'clock on a Friday and that wireless store that's a uh, half mile away is already closed, their weekend enjoyment is significantly depleted. So obviously creating the awareness that they can go to that corner store that they depend on, and now they can do their top-ups. You know, this is a whole relationship building with that corner store. The corner store is making money off of being able to provide that service to those customers, so it's a win-win-win. Now what we do is we use that software. We use that product as a door opener and a door jam. We have now completely, uh, from a financial perspective, we have a, a, a fintech relationship with that store, and we're a profit partner. They see us as someone on their side of the fence. So what we did was we said, let's go ahead and leverage that. They're, they're using our software interface on a daily basis. Let's put other categorized products that they are selling in those stores that we know will sell, that we can vouch for, that we can test, that whether it be CBD, bagged snacks, toiletries, T-shirts, other products that are sold through these corner stores, we can provide them at a cost savings to that corner store because they're going to drop ship directly from the manufacturer. 
So that was the development piece that we put together, and the whole concept of facilitating these transactions between regional manufacturers direct to these retail stores, that's how this whole thing came together, and that's what we just completed our development on in quarter three of this year. So that brings us to today. We're now able to leverage our prepaid wireless top-up software to build the relationship with these corner stores, convenience stores, bodegas, tiendas, community markets that serve this underbanked market and offer them for sale other consumable items that sell through their store that either A, we can save them money on, or B, they don't even have access to the products because they may be on a a rural backwoods road or just in a smaller town, and the distribution salesperson just doesn't cruise down and pull their door. So that's where we are right now. We've built the the, the marketplace software platform. You know, something else I want to say, too, in doing this, when you're a solutions-minded company, and one of the, the hesitations that I was a little bit worried about was, man, will the manufacturers buy into this? We thought it, we all thought it was a great plan, but you got to have the manufacturers uh, on board. They were the most excited out of everybody involved because one of the things that we didn't think of because we hadn't manufactured goods, there's an old saying, you can have the best product in the world. If you don't have sales and distribution, you're broke. So, number one, all of these regional manufacturers who had good products but were stuck in a footprint either because of the warlord mentality of the distribution models around the country or they were crunched by the fact that they had to offer net terms of usually 30 to 60 days to distributors, which is very hard to cash flow the production of goods these days if you're waiting 30 to 60 days for their money. Well, we came in and offered them, hey, if we can provide you an order, a pick, pack, and ship order that's printed off in your warehouse, and right behind it, a pre-printed UPS shipping labels, all you got to do is tape it to the box, and then you know we're ACHing that corner store, We'll deliver your money within 48 hours. That's actually become, as you can, as you can imagine, the the people that are most excited about this whole concept because now they can sell nation, they can sell their products nationwide, and they're getting paid, so they're not crunched on the cash flow side. Well, let's talk about what this team has been able to accomplish for the company since your team took over in mid 2017. I guess the the biggest accomplishments that we've done thus far in Surge were all of these platforms and products. Now, the timing did all hit in quarter three of 2019. I'm not going to say that I was that good to lay that out. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's a little bit scary because you've got your ROI curve hitting all at the same time for all your subsidiaries and all your products. But the cool thing is, you know, we were able to do all this we were able to do it without overly diluting the company. We were able to do it without having, you know, puppet masters. Uh, we were able to do this in a methodical and disciplined manner to where we could stay focused on our, our ultimate goal of uplisting to NASDAQ, but do so in a way where we didn't have to give up half the company just to cross that goal line. Well, now let's talk about the near-term goals for the company and the remainder here of 2019 and, of course, into Q1 2020 as we wrap up 2019. What we've done is we've entered into the product rollout and what I call market execution phase. Every day we should be better than we were yesterday. We're no longer dependent on developers, third parties, building softwares, building infrastructures. We're not sitting on our hands. We can literally push this thing forward and gain yards on every play. So while we're at this point and everything is moving forward, you know, I've got my own personal goal. We have six subsidiaries 
we looked at this, and originally when we first did this, it was kind of a, hey, let's get to NASDAQ as fast as we can. You know, the OTC is great. You know, we can learn how to hit the curveball in the minor leagues, but we want to be in the majors. We're, our team is good enough. Our, this market is great. You know, we should be a company that would be eye-opening. It is a new frontier. What we're doing is different. There's not a lot of comparables out there, and it is a land rush. So there was something really interesting. I appreciate wisdom of folks that have done this before. And we have a lot of people on our side that advise us and, and, and give us counsel on the best way to navigate this. And we, we looked at a report that said 81% of the companies that uplisted this year to NASDAQ were not profitable. Being that I come from the private sector, you know, you got to make profit or you go out of business. Now, you know, there's always a return on investment phase, and there's reasons to dip and then use that same trajectory up to the right, you know, the old hockey stick proverbial, to do business. But that was a little eye-opening to me. So we had a board meeting, and we talked about these things, and it bounces off some of our advisors. Like, hey, our CFO pro formas project surge will be profitable across the board in every subsidiary by the end of quarter one, 2020. Doesn't it make sense, if we're going to go to the party, doesn't it make sense to come in with a bigger bang saying, hey, look, we're not going to tell you what we're going to do. We're not going to tell you what we're thinking about or what we're planning. We're going to tell you, look, this is what we planned. This is what we did. This is what we executed. We're making money. And we have built an infrastructure where as we build out into these stores and we build out this network into all these hundreds of thousands of stores across the United States, we have a, we're building a digital railroad track. Those stores are the depots in those communities. So it doesn't matter what technology changes. It doesn't matter what new products come out next year. It doesn't, we can't be antiquated because we are a sales machine. So not only can we adapt with the times, adapt with technology, and adapt with new products, we're also building a mergers and acquisitions machine where if we have the distribution, we have the sale, we have the banking relationship with all of these corner stores, all these mom and pops across the country, we can go in and look at regional manufacturers that may be stuck in a little bit of a rut, but we could acquire them, bring them into the fold, and then, boom, now we just took that company that was regional and made them national. And I do think that's also going to be the ultimate value to Surge is by building this infrastructure out. There's obviously companies out there who would love to have the data that we're compiling on this market that does not have a digital fingerprint. You know, you, you know, Stuart, you and I do. We, we travel. We use plastic. People know. They know who we are, where we are, and what we're doing. Our market, I keep saying it, is the last untapped frontier and we're building out into that market so now it's our job to execute well great stuff brian wow was i right is this a smart and fresh play exciting stuff brian thank you so much for your time here today at smallcapvoice.com we look forward to speaking with you again in the very near future enjoy the christmas season and we will speak to you in 2020 hey thanks again Stuart. appreciate you having me look forward to next time all right for brian cox this is Stuart smith saying thanks so much for listening Smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support, provides its clients with the highest level of service. Our audio interviews are disseminated to one of the largest opt-in audiences available today. How? We at Smallcapvoice.com believe in aligning and affiliating ourselves with other leaders within the investor relations community. By sharing resources, 
each affiliated firm is made that much stronger and each client is served that much better. Our focus is to identify and provide the very best financial services and solutions available to clients and their shareholders. For more information about our services, please call us at 512-267-2430 or visit us on the web at www.smallcapvoice.com.